Welcome to this week's edition of the Eye of the Swarm, sponsored by Superior Beverages, uh, one of our four fine sponsors that allow us to get this broadcast on the air every week. He's our engineer in the studio, Elliot Swear. He's the big sound, Matt Johnson. I'm John Garver, and I just said right before we went on, I'm, I'm having a morning, Matt. Having a bit of a morning. Only one cup of coffee wasn't. Uh, oh yeah, that's way below your it, normal quota. It is, and it didn't. It didn't cut it. You know, it was. I slept fine. Yeah, you look like you're rested. I mean, I, you don't seem like I you're... don't feel completely exhausted. But once the once you removed the little guy from the crib this morning, oh. well, what is your full quota? I don't think I've ever established that, but I know it's more than a cup. You know, it depends on the day. Right. Yeah. I mean, but I know there's a minimum that you usually consume. You know, I mean, well, I, I usually can get by on one of my travel cups okay. per day. But there's other days where one and a half to two. Need okay. to be consumed, and then there's those days where I better drink a whole pot or else. So technically, a little bit more than like a because those travel those travel pots are a little bit they're they're a little bit more than an actual cup. They're like what are they? Probably a cup and a half, maybe two cups. The one I have is twenty ounces. Okay, so you know, yeah, like so I said, a little bit more than a definitely pot. more than your doctor would say you should consume, but. You know, if you read the right study, it'll tell you that your brain function is better. You're not going to get cancer, things like that. So. Well, I mean, I've, as the son of a avid coffee addict, I would say, and also my brother-in-law is a crazy person when it comes to his coffee, I feel your pain, not necessarily for myself, but having watched other people. I went to a football game with my dad when I was in college still at St. Olaf, and he didn't have his coffee that day, and it was a football game where St. Olaf was playing Gustavus at the old Metrodome. And we were, like, in the third, fourth row near midfield. And I know all the guys on the team, so I'm like, you know, these are my friends I'm watching play football in this game. He turned the worst color of pale right about the third quarter. And he was like, I got to get out of here. And he jumped up, literally sprinted up the stairs at the Metrodome. And I said, should I come with you? That's a lot of stairs, too. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about... Yeah, this is like rivaling the deck. Yeah, for going up and down. A lot of stairs there. Yeah, and he was gone for about twenty twenty five minutes. I thought, I hope he hasn't died in the bathroom or something. Like, <laughs> what, what is going on? You know, I don't mean to laugh, but no, yeah. I mean, he came back and he was this still that pale color, and he sat down and he was sweating. And I said, should we just go home? Oh no, 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 no I'm gonna be okay. Um, I'll be okay. But then finally, by about the middle of the fourth quarter, he was like, I need to get out of here. Turned out he was having a super duper withdrawal from not having caffeine. He had not had any all day long, and so that Don't was, yeah, that that was the first time I was kind of like, I'm glad I'm not really hooked on that stuff. I mean, I rarely drink caffeine. Every once in a while, I'll have a you know caffeinated beverage of some sort, but boy, when I saw that, and the other story I'll 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 uh, I'll, uh, I'll relay before we go into our summary for the week. My brother-in-law got influenza like two years ago, and he was super sick. And, of course, with influenza, you get that nasty kind of icky headache. So he stopped drinking caffeine while he had it. So that was like a week. By day three, he had this thumping headache. Sure. So he had a double headache. Nice. Which I've never experienced, thankfully. But he had the dull headache from the actual influenza that you get, and then he had the throbbing headache from the withdrawal from the caffeine. Right. And my sister said he couldn't get out of bed. He was literally just laying there. Like a corpse in bed. So <laughs> those two incidents alone have kind of convinced me that I'm a better person for not having gone on the caffeine. I don't know. Do you get caffeine withdrawal bad if you don't take, like if you don't have your coffee? Um, You know, because there's been a couple times where I've stopped. Okay. And it's uh, for a day or two. Okay. You know, it, I, I get the headache. and But once you power through that, it's no big deal. Okay. I think it's probably different you for know, other people the, too. The biggest thing for me is I just really don't like the taste of decaffeinated coffee. 
Really? Yeah. Because I, I like coffee. It's not okay. it's not a, oh my God, no, no, I have I, to have caffeine a, or I am going to go and burn the building down. You're a true connoisseur. No, I yeah. really like coffee. And so for me, it, decaf just doesn't cut it. Really? No. It's a flavor thing too on top yeah. of everything else. It's yep. just it's lighted or unleaded. It's, right. Okay. Yeah. And I've, I have yet to find a good decaf coffee that I actually liked. Wow. See, I've never noticed the difference. See, right. that, that's one of those things where I've, I drink a lot of decaf, mm-hmm. um, especially on a cold day. You know, I drank a lot of it this fall. Right. <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yep. Um, but I've never really thought about the difference in flavor. And if there is a difference in flavor, that's interesting to me. Yeah. that's I, I, For me, I definitely can taste the difference. Okay. So. That's a true kind of Coming, coming from somebody who likes a really strong cup. Okay. So, you a yeah. French roast guy? You're one of those? I'm a, a dark roast. Dark roast French, yeah. whatever it is. You know, okay. my, I mean. Italian. Whatever, all... I, whatever I don't finish drinking, we can use to tar the roof. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You and my dad would get along real well. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, I got that from my grandfather. I mean, he'd have the old percolator on his stove, and it would sit there all day long. Yep. And so he'd go to have dinner. He's a grandfather, so at 4 o'clock. And he would pour a cup. And, I mean, it was like sludge coming out of there. But. Yeah. That's where, it's this that's viscous, where I got it liquid. from. Yes. You know, my father, on the other hand, he was more of, you know, let's load up the creamer and, and all that stuff. No, that's that's not me. I get it from the grandfather. My dad instead. started drinking it when he was eight. Yeah, I didn't quite start that early, okay. but I was in my teens. Okay, he started when he was eight. It's because my, my dad was a tag along in the family, and so my grandma was um, in her late 40s, early 50s by the time my dad was eight, and his great my great aunt Mary would come over, and she was the second oldest. My grandma was the youngest of ten, and Mary was the second oldest. Just give me an idea of the age range here. And she would sit there, roll her own cigarettes, and they would sit and drink one pot of coffee all day long. Wow! And it would sit. And my dad described it the same way. Yep. It would just sit on the burner all day long. Mm-hmm. And by the time it was done, of course, my aunt Mary thought, my great aunt Mary thought that the longer it sat, the better it got. Yeah. <laughs> it's. A- yeah, so, you know, like you said, the viscous dark liquid where it's been now cooked down to a point where it's almost like something you can put on a steak. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's almost like a, a complimentary flavor. Go, f- go fix that hole in the alley. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just, it'll, it'll solidify, you know, it congeal on its own and it'll just fill in the spot. Yes. So that's where my dad got it too. And he is straight up French roast. Okay. French roast all the way. No cream, nothing. No, right. That I, I and a couple of double espressos and he's good. So that's that's my dad's okay. background with with coffee. That was my favorite thing. Of, well, not my favorite, but one of my favorite things about our trip to Australia a few years ago is you'd walk into a place and they didn't have coffee pots. Everything was made to order. Oh, yeah. And it took me a day to figure out how to order properly because you couldn't walk in and just say, "I want this." You know, yeah. I want a large dark roast to go. It was. Tall, dark takeaway. That's what they call it? Yeah. Okay. And when you said large, dark roast to go, they just kind of look at you, and I have no idea what you're talking about. So you're like, okay, what's the strongest one you have? Right. And walk through it. But all of them were were made to order. Okay. So there was no no air pots or anything like that that you would see in these places. And I'm like, oh, this is no wonder it's all all so good around here. It was, it was as fresh as it gets. It was heaven for a coffee addict like me. Oh, yeah. It was absolute heaven. And there, yeah, you, I didn't need the caffeine three times a day, but the coffee was really good. So I just wanted to have a cup all the time. It was so good. My mom, it took her a long time to figure out how to order coffee on the East Coast when my dad went to law school at Harvard because. 
on the East Coast. See here, if you if they ask you, would you like regular or decaf? It means caffeinated or not. Right. You get regular out there. It's it's cream and two sugars. So you automatically that's what coffee regular is on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And she struggled with that because she doesn't like cream and she doesn't like she wants it black. Right. So she had to remember coffee black instead of coffee regular because of course in the Midwest. Right. If you say you want regular, it just means you want caffeine in your coffee. Yep. Doesn't mean anything else. But out there, it literally means cream and two sugars. Interesting. Yeah. Just a, this a little. I know you're heading yeah. out toward the East Coast, so I don't I know am. if they do that in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's East Coast enough, but I'll, yeah. just, I'll just keep in mind black coffee. Yeah, this or black, because if you get regular, you're going to get some stuff in it. Perfect. And uh, but I I know you like stuff in your coffee. It doesn't bother you as much, but yeah, it's not the end of the world if I do have yeah. a little cream or something in there. But but my mom is kind of taking sugar back. in there. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, there's our coffee education yeah, for the week. We Thank you very much for listening in, Elliot. Let's talk sports. All right, let's do that. What do we got? Uh, men's soccer. We'll start out with them because they went to the NCAA tournament. We talked about it last week for the third straight year, and their season came to an end. Although, you know what? I'm pretty proud of how they played. I thought they played fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they they gave themselves every opportunity to win both games. They actually did win the first game, obviously. We'll talk about that in a second here. But really, really happy with how the season you know played out. You're never quite sure how it's going to go in the right. NCAA tournament. You're not sure you know what it's going to be. We talked about the fact that this is a veteran team. Uh, a lot of these guys have been there before. It's kind of a been there, done that kind of situation. But mm-hmm. they showed why that's important in these two games because they played really tough competition and really showed well yeah. in both games. So congratulations to them. Of course, they played a number 14 ranked team, Central. Uh, I think that's United Soccer Coaches poll, isn't it? Yes. Number 14? Yes. Yeah. Played them in the first round. Of the Not NCAA. in the – you know, that wasn't a regional thing either. That no, was, that's that, was, that was a national ranking. Yeah, because Luther was number 16. Correct. Yeah, okay. So Central was actually ranked ahead of the hosts. Yep. Number 14 Central, of course, who are making their NCAA tournament debut. And I don't know if there were some nerves there. Probably were. I assume there was. Yeah, I would think there were some. But the Yellow Jackets ended up winning for the second straight year in the opening round of the tournament, 3-2 to two, against Central on Saturday. That game was played in Decorah, Iowa, as Luther was the host. That game uh, for the Yellow Jackets, they were up 2-0 at the half. Blake Perry scored the first of two goals for him on the weekend. Both goals coming in that game. 15th goal of the season from Felix Blick at 14:39. So the Jackets get off to a good start. They're up one nothing, and then just before halftime, Galen Coy, the freshman, with his third goal of the season, off uh, an assist from Esteban Badillo Ramirez, 36:07, and it's two nothing at the half. I, I wish I would have tuned in early enough on that because that was a controversial goal for some reason. Was it okay? And I don't know why. Okay. Um, but I I, had, I tuned in right after that the goal had been scored. Okay. Yeah, and they were the. Officials were having a conversation, and I know the players from Central came out of it irate. The coach was irate. Okay. There were several conversations between the officials and the bench. There was a yellow card issued in there. Okay. So something happened to make that a controversial goal, and I don't know what it is. Don't know what it is. I wish I knew. Okay. So it's 2 nothing at the half. Jackets feeling good. Central, as most nationally ranked teams do, rally in the second half. They score twice. The first one at 50-36 from Charlie Pritchard to make it 2-1. Then it was Brant Mueller scoring the tying goal at 79-04, and it's 2-2. But then Blake Perry comes through again, his 16th goal of the season. Unassisted at 86-20, dramatic goal for Blake Perry to give the Yellow Jackets a 3-2 victory over the Dutch. In the opening round of the NCAA tournament, Dalton Van Kanel had eight stops. I'll have to check in with Coach Mooney to talk about that second goal. Yeah, I was curious about that one. And also, don't overlook the fact that Central rang one off the bar. Did they? Yeah, okay. with under 10 seconds to go. Oh, wow. So a little bit of lady luck involved in that, but yep. you take it. You do. Yeah. You obviously do. So, But yeah. well, it was a really exciting finish. Yeah, 
yeah, so congratulations to them. Obviously, off to the second round for the second straight year. I know the UMAC tweeted out they're the only program that has won an NCAA, NCAA tournament first round game in UMAC soccer history, and they've done two straight years now. So yeah. that says something. It does, you know, and we've we've made we've talked multiple times about Coach Mooney's schedule that he sets up. He doesn't duck anybody. No, his his non-conference schedule is very rugged. Yeah. And that's this is the reason. Yep. This because is why. they're prepared for these opponents when they when they get to that point. Yeah, when they get to the NCAAs, they're yeah, ready they, to go. They had three teams on their schedule this year that were in the tournament. Right. So yeah. they're they're prepared for how difficult these game matches are going to be. Yep. And uh, speaking of one of those teams was uh, Luther, of course. The Yellow Jackets played them during the regular season. Didn't go very well. No, it didn't go well at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, in fact, uh, up until... Uh, the game on Sunday was the last time the Yellow Jackets had lost a game. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a 4 nothing loss during the regular season. Yellow Jackets really felt like they needed another shot at those guys, I know, because I talked to them about it. Right. Um, that was, of course, in the aftermath of that bizarre game against Martin Luther right. from the day before. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you get the – so they played at Martin Luther, for those that aren't familiar with that particular weekend. Right. That was on a, a Saturday and then they had to bust down to Decorah to play on Sunday. Which is another three Luther. hours. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't the easiest weekend of travel or playing for the Yellow Jackets there. No, and the field at Martin Luther was was in horrible shape. We've talked about that before. Jackets had to play double overtime on top of that to beat Martin Luther. And then, like you said, they had to go down and play against a team that at that point was undefeated, I think. Luther was unbeaten I believe at that point. so, yeah. Yeah. And so it was a rough go, and they fell behind early, and it just never came together. Then they played Luther again, though, in the second round. And ended up tying officially the Norse one-one in double overtime. Of course, that was in the second round on this last Sunday. Luther's Will Overberg scored the first goal of the game at twenty-two thirteen. It was one nothing at the half. But then the Yellow Jackets very late in regulation. Scott Wilson, central defender who is a native of Scotland, scored his second goal of the season for Blake Perry at eighty-five fifty-nine, tied up one-one. And then we went into overtime. And nobody was able to score in the overtime session. I think uh, Luther outshot the Jackets four to one in the first session, but the Jackets held the advantage in the second session right. as far as shots. Yeah. And so then we go, of course, into the dreaded penalty kicks, which is a crappy way to go. It, it is. It's lousy. <laughs> yeah, it's I, lousy. You know, but <laughs> it is what it is. It right? is what it is. Yeah. And uh, Dalton Van Kano came out for the penalty shootout. This is the same rotation, by the way, the Jackets use in their first trip to the NCAA tournament. Ulrich right. Lager came in. In the shootout against St. Scholastica three years ago, yep. and ended up being the the uh, the keeper who sent the Yellow Jackets to the NCAA tournament after not even played. Right, um, that's a strategic move by Coach Joe Mooney. Uh, Dalton played all 110 minutes of of actual right. gameplay, right, and had seven saves. Ulrich played in the shootout, and the Jacks ended up falling four to one in the shootout, which is a bummer. It's, yeah, it's too bad that that's the way it goes. But I think that it was. I mean, but even at the international level, I mean, after that's how the overtimes. That's how they settle it. Yeah, so. that's how they settle it. So, uh, the Yellow Jacket season officially comes to an end at seventeen three and three. But another great year for Coach. I mean, there's no way to get around it. Yeah, it's, it, there's not. It, you know, and the reality is they took another step. Yep. You know, and I mean, the first time they got to the tournament, they got beaten the first game. The second time they won a game. The third time they won a game. And now it went all the way to kicks. Yeah. I mean, this year they did not lose in the NCAA no. tournament. There was yeah, a win. They went one on one in the NCAA. So, yeah. you know, and then they lose on kicks. They took another step. Right. You know, and I, I know the he's got a, a big recruiting year ahead of him here because yeah. he does lose an awful lot. 
but he's also got some good players in he's, the pipeline. He's got some really good players coming back again. So, yep. you know, I have a hunch we'll be talking about this exact same kind of thing a year from now. Yep, and another guy that came in that uh, was ruled ineligible who will be back next year also who was considered to be a really key part of this team right. will be back. We'll talk about him more next year. But, right. Uh, yeah, they'll be good again next year. No doubt. I mean, Blake Perry's coming back, and, uh, you know, you've got some of these younger guys that have stepped up a little bit. Miguel's yep. back again next year. And, yep. But as for the rest of this year, uh, a bunch of awards were handed out to that group too as well. Well-deserving, by the way. Eric Watson was named UMAC Offensive Player of the Year. We had talked about the fact that he was probably going to get that award. It was either going to be him or Blake Perry. Right. One of those two ends up being Waddy. Uh, finishes his UWS career as the all-time leading scorer in goal scoring for the Yellow Jackets. I should say it's not Offensive Player of the Year. That's Player of the Year. Is it? Uh, okay. It's player of, it's the, player year. of the Year. Okay. Yep. He had 43 career goals, so that's the new bar. As far yeah, as if career. he keeps going, Blake Perry will break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If he keeps going this way. A.J. Olsen, by the way, UMAC Defensive Player of the Year for the second straight year. He's kind of an unsung hero. We don't talk a lot about him. Right. Real solid back there, though. Yeah, very, very good. Yeah, and he reads passing lanes real well, keeps everything together. Uh, Joe Mooney named UMAC Coach of the Year for the second straight year. So congratulations to Coach Mooney. Danny Kearns and Blake Perry were named first team all-conference. Not exactly a surprise. Both those guys had big, big, big-time contributions to the team this year. Right. Uh, while Dalton Van Cano and Scott Wilson were second-team all-conference picks. I think Dalton was second-team mostly because he doesn't see a lot of action. Right. He doesn't have, to he doesn't do have gaudy numbers. Yeah, he doesn't have huge numbers because he has a team in front of him that doesn't allow him to see a lot of shots. Right. So, And Scott, I think that was appropriate. I mean, he missed a lot of the year with a foot injury, but you know when he came back, he was real good and uh, scored the tying goal against Luther, you know. Uh, so, you know, congratulations to those two as well as making or getting some all-conference recognition. Blake Doye and Miguel Ocampo, honorable mention all picks. I thought that Miguel could have snuck onto the second team. I really did, but he makes the honorable mention. You know, you know and I, I think he he had a couple really big performances in the postseason, but the right. voting's done already at that point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he got better as the year went on. Yeah. Um, and But he'll be right there next year. He'll probably be a first-team all-conference. I'd imagine. Year. Yep. While Fabio Hattori was named the UMAC sportsmanship team to the UMAC sportsmanship team from the Yellow Jackets, uh, good kid. Yeah. Really good guy. Good perspective and very accepting of his role. Right. You know, very upbeat guy. So congratulations to him. So that's the season that was for the men's soccer team. Uh, women's soccer, meanwhile, also got some uh, love from the conference. Three players named first team all conference. That was uh, announced last Wednesday. Madison Gutekunz, Kaylee Johnson, and Anna Schusman were all named first team. We thought Gutekunz and Schusman would definitely get first team uh, all-conference honors. We proved to be right on that one. Kaylee Johnson, though, I'm happy for her to get that recognition, too, in her senior year. No, I couldn't agree more. She, she was a rock back there. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, she, she played very well. She also scored a couple goals this year, which was nice yep. to see. Uh, Gutekunz, second straight year, she's been named first team all-conference. Not bad start No. to her Yellow Jacket career. Not at all. Yeah, Anna Schusman, of course, had nine goals. Um, after the six last year, so she's building her career numbers as she goes. Erica Quick was named honorable mention all conference, while Tatum Larnoise was named to the UMAC sportsmanship team from the Yellow Jackets. So, some all conference nods there for Coach DeGroat and the Yellow Jacket women. Men's and women's cross country finished up their season as well. They also participated in the NCAA competition. Men were 21st at the Division Three Central Ch- Region Championships hosted by Wartburg College at the Wartburg Cross Country Course on Saturday in Waverly, Iowa. That's a course that they ran earlier in the year, so they were a little bit familiar with it. Um, yeah, that was uh, an intentional move Yeah, for them to go down to that meet earlier yep. in the year. UWS finished with 644 points as a team. Derek Moe led the way. 8K course, 2750.6 his time. The women, meanwhile, finished up 24th in the region with 708 points. Haruka Hamanaka, 2540.4. She started kind of taking over as the Yellow Jacket leader as the year went on. Yeah. So 
And she's only a sophomore, so we'll see. Well, she's actually a senior. Is she a senior? Yeah. Okay. Is it eligibility-wise that she's a sophomore? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's why. Okay. So that's uh, the fall sports. Now we'll get into the winter sports because winter sports are kicking into high gear now. Uh, men's basketball, 2-2 two and two overall. Had a pretty good week, though. Uh, yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> they did. <laughs> you, know, you know, that 2-2 two and two is a little bit deceiving. It I, is. <laughs> you know, um, defeated. Actually, they paid a, played a pair of 75-69 games. Won one, lost one. Uh, defeated Concordia Moorhead 75-69 to on Tuesday. That was a game that yours truly had on the radio. They played really well in that game. They shot 72% in the first half. Yeah, they were unbelievable in that game. Uh, and it was great to see them rebound from the Nebraska Wesleyan game with a game like that against Concordia, who's a solid squad. Right. Um, Yellow Jackets led 43-28 to at the break. They just didn't miss any shots. Yeah. UWS shot 53.8% for the game. Mac Rechtal, who had a good week. 22 points. He was 8 out of 13 from the floor. Vede Malinkovic didn't shoot particularly well, 5 out of 13. He had 20 points, but he was 8 out of 9 from the line. He actually complained to me after the game that he wasn't very good, and I said, Vede, you made 8 out of 9 free throws. Those all count. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, when you're shooting nearly 90% from the line, I think you're doing something right. Yeah, I'd say. Allen Anderson, who's turning out to be a really solid player for the Jackets, 16 points, 7 out of 13 shooting. And then last night at UW-Eau Claire, a game that they had a good shot to win. At the end, I watched it all the way through. They played really strong, smart basketball last night. Eau Claire just made a couple extra plays at the end. Right. Uh, and they ended up losing to the Blue Golds 75-69. to So 175-69 win, 175-69 loss. UWS actually trailed 31-30 at halftime and led late in the second half there with about three minutes to go by, I think it was three points, maybe four points in there, somewhere like that. Blue Golds made a couple of shots at the end. Jackets ended up shooting 44.9% for the game. Mac Rechtal, another strong game for Mac. He had 21 points, 6 out of 13 shooting. He was also 8 for 9 from the line. Allen Anderson, 19 points, 6 out of 11. Perfect from the line in five trips. While Vid Malinkovic, 13 points, 15 rebounds for Vid yesterday. So, good day for him. Yeah, good week for all three of those guys. This week, they have another game coming up. We'll talk about that in the final segment. But, uh, yeah, not a bad start. Nope. I mean, the, you know, they're going into a tough uh, portion of their schedule here, but uh, – I'll take a split against Concordia and against Eau Claire on the road. That's not a bad way to go. No, not at all. Especially since that Eau Claire team beat St. Scholastica by 20 right. earlier. So You know, and it's it's a place that traditionally the Jackets haven't had a lot of success. Most teams don't have a lot of success there. Right. It's a tough place to play, and they, they haven't won games down there, and there was times where they weren't even in games down there. So, that's a, you know, it's, it's not a bad performance no, at all. No, not at all. Not at all. Women's basketball also had a nice run this weekend. Nice to see them get back on the winning side of things. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, at the 2019 Max Zile Women's Basketball Tournament hosted by Oswego State, another hockey school. I know yep. you're familiar with them. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but the Yellow Jackets uh, down there in Oswego uh, ended up winning the tournament. Won both games down there, Yellow Jackets, in the opener against the host Oswego State, 77-49. to They win that contest. UWS came out just smoking in that opening two quarters of the tournament. They led 28 to 8 after 1, 48 to 15 at the break, and then 66 to 33 after 3. Wow. That's called a pretty thorough. Yeah, a very consistent, thorough. Yeah, that was a beat down. Yeah, that was a beat down. Yellow Jackets made 46% of their shots for the contest. Emily Carpenter, one of four Yellow Jackets in double figures, 14 points, 4 for 6 overall shooting, 4 for 5 from three point range. Marissa Ruiz had 13 points. She was 3 for 6 overall, 2 for 3 from long range. Pasha Scott, 12 points. Made half of her 12 shots. Eva Reinertsen, another efficient night for Eva. We've kind of gotten used to Eva Reinertsen having really efficient games. Five out of eight shooting for 11 points. That's pretty good. And then they I think she up. shot like 43% for the week. Yeah. You know, so not bad. No, no, that, that's even below what her normal standards right. are, but still pretty efficient. Yeah. Uh, and then the Yellow Jackets played Clarkson, 
another hockey school. Yep. In the championship game the next day and ended up beating the Knights 67 to 50. Uh, UWS led 14 to 12 after one, 29 to 22 at halftime, but went on a huge run in the third quarter. They outscored the uh, the Knights 28 to 8 in that frame and led 57 to 30 after three. After that, everything else was academic. Yellow Jackets shot 50 percent from the floor for that one. Eva Reinerson, another efficient game from the field, six out of eight. She scored 15 points and eight shots. That's a good night. Patch of Scott, 11 points, four for six shooting, while Ellie Leedstrom had nine points, 11 rebounds. So they're 2-2, two and two, and they got a tough week coming up, which we'll talk about. <laughs> and I will be on the road with you them. You'll so. be with them, so yeah, yeah you're going to get to see it all firsthand. <laughs> yep, women's hockey, 2-1-1 one one overall now in the season, 0-1-0 oh, one, oh, one, oh, in the YI. I'll get it out eventually here. Yeah. Fell UWO Claire 3-2 in their first conference contest in overtime on Saturday at Westman Arena. That's a game you had on the radio, John. Mm-hmm. Yellow Dragons trailed 2-1. to one. Or two to nothing, excuse me, after two, before scoring twice in the third to force overtime. Kaylee Martinson scored the Yellow Jackets' first goal at 10:38 of the third period from Megan DeLong and Amanda Sargent to make it two to one. Then Micah Sutherland from Molly Shelton at 12:25 to make it two two. And then we went in overtime before UWO Claire's Addie Young scored the game winner just 1:23 into the extra session. Catherine Johnson with 28 saves. What was your impression of that game? Um, I I wish. <clears throat> Because the Yellow Jackets came out really strong, okay, for the first minute, okay, and then they took an early penalty, and it's it's kind of looking like penalties, unless they right the ship, could be a dif- it could be trouble for the team this year because they had they gave Hamlin eight power plays last week, right? Yeah, and I think Eau Claire had six or seven. Ooh, so there, yeah, I they're, 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 it, it was a tough game to watch, a tough game to call because it didn't have a lot of flow. There were fifteen penalties called in the game, Ooh. which in a, in the women's game is it's a lot. lot. Yeah, and it. Uh, it was just a slow, choppy game. They came out really, really strong. They took that penalty in the first minute, and Eau Claire got all the momentum off that. They outshot the Yellow Jackets 17-3 in the first period. Whoa. And I, I, it took them a while to get, to, the game to, a little bit. To get their, their feet underneath them okay. after that first period. Um, you know, and then the, the power play, we'll talk to Coach Laughlin a little bit about that in the next segment, but he power play struggling this year. Okay. And uh, they're still looking for their first goal on the power play. And they had a power play that carried over from the third period into overtime. They they were on the power oh, play, wow. I think, for a minute and 12 seconds to start the overtime. And that's so right, really where that group had to step up and, and get that goal, and they didn't do it. And then 10 seconds later, I was about to say, yeah. to win it. Right after they get back to full strength, the Blue yeah. Devils score the winner. Yep. Okay. So that was the, you know, that, that power play can make a difference. Oh, yeah. And it made the difference in the wrong way. Yeah. On, on, on set, I was going to say Friday, but it was Saturday. Yeah, it was Saturday. So. That was the week that was. Uh, that's well. That was yeah. it. Yeah, that was everything. Perfect. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll take a break here, and when we come back, we will catch up with the aforementioned Dan Laughlin, head coach of the Yellow Jacket women's hockey team. You are listening to the Eye of the Swarm. Sports broadcasts on ninety one point three FM are made possible in part by. National Bank of Commerce, a catalyst for growth in our region for over 80 years with locations in Superior, Duluth, Hermantown, Poplar, and Solon Springs. More at NBCBanking.com. We make more possible. Member FDIC. We're back on this week's Eye of the Swarm, and we're joined by Yellow Jacket women's hockey coach Dan Laughlin. And finally... 
We finally got you in here. It, it, it's been a few weeks in the making, but we were finally able to make a jive with your schedule. Thanks for stopping up. Yeah, it's nice to be here. It is uh, with the different schedule this year. Um, Got to find the time when you can, so here I am. Yeah, Dan, I feel like your schedule is kind of uh, all over the place this year. I know you're usually an early riser, but it seems like you've been kind of flipped a little bit this year. Yeah, we've been uh, for 13 years, I believe. We've uh, practiced in the morning, and now we're on the other end of the spectrum going at night. So uh, it's different. Um but so far, it's uh, proving effective, so we'll keep it. You say different, obviously, because 6 a.m. practices, that's, uh, I don't care who you are, that's that's early. And now you're on the other end where you're going later in the evening. What's been the feedback from, from players? I mean, do they, they like having it later like that because they can get their homework done and do all the school stuff during the day as opposed to rolling out of bed early? And I think it was a mix. Okay. I think they really enjoyed uh you know, as hard of hard as it was to get up that early in the morning, like at four or five in the morning, but they got the rest of their day to do whatever they wanted, including some jobs on campus. Um, you know, of course, the schoolwork and everything, and the classes that run from you know seems like eight a.m. till midnight. But I think you get more of them, uh, more of their attention. Um, we can, as a coaching staff, we can meet with them more with film. In the morning, it was just kind of you know you got about an hour and a half with them, then they, they're off the class and didn't really get to see them the rest of the day. So now we get more time with them for just one-on-one, you know, just even the talk with, um, just get in front of them. Um, and then, of course, you know, just be with them more about the game too. I would think quality of practice probably a little bit better too because when you have a 6 a.m., yeah. again, that's early. And I know how my body functions. It it does not like 6 no. o'clock in the morning. So I – did it take a little while for them to get their feet under them on a 6 a.m. practice as it, opposed to what they have now? It did. In fact, uh, uh, my assistant, Chili, and I would always, kid, we'd, our first couple of drills would just be ones to basically, you know, let's go, let's wake up, and then you could really start practice. But, again, now when they when they cut, they get to the rink now at about 6.30 and you have them until about 10. So, uh, you know, they're awake, they're ready to go. Plus, we get, again, we get to prepare with them before the practice too and go over some film. So, I think the attention is is way better. I'm gathering just from the responses that you do like the way it is right now. I do. Um, you know, you got to balance it with with other things too, with the, with your home life and everything. It's been a big adjustment, but you know, you just make it work, and and so far it's been good. Let's talk about the early stages of the season. Then that practice obviously leads into the fun stuff, which is the games. And sitting at two one and one right now, so four games in. Let's uh, give us a synopsis on what you've seen from your team through the first four? Well, I think it's, I'm, it was a good start with the 2-0. I think that whenever you can jump off with two victories right away, it, it, it just, it's so important to get off to a good start. Last year, you know, if you remember, we lost one in overtime and then lost one by one goal. And then, you know, starting 0-2, you're just, you're always coming from behind. So it was nice to, to start off that way. Um, and then, you know, to meet a ranked opponent in Hamlin um, at their place, we mentioned it before the game in Eau Claire Garves that uh, I thought we played a really, really good game. We played three periods, um, very solid. And, and um, you know, that that gave us extremely a lot of confidence, you know, just who we are. Sometimes you, you know, the coaching staff can say to the players, to the team, hey, we're a good team, let's go. But then until you finally go out and do it and see it and prove it, you know, when you know you can play with anyone, you can skate with anyone, um, so that Hamlin game was big, even though you know it was, it was a tie. It was just we played really good hockey. 
And then I think we kind of thought we could play with everyone. <laughs> and then uh, and then we, you know, get another ranked opponent in Eau Claire coming in. And, you know, it was it was a learning lesson. So I think the first two periods really weren't our best. It, they weren't bad, but they just, they we didn't have that, that intensity, um, you know, that level of grit we had with Hamlin. So um, third period, you know, once we got that goal, you saw a different stride in their state. Absolutely. And so that's what we're... You know, and they know it. Now they know it. Now it's just a matter of we, we gotta we gotta make that consistent every game, and that's hard to do. I want to shuffle back to Hamlin, and we t- I asked you about this in the pregame show on Saturday, but I, I want to bring it up here to the finish. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I want to know. I, about I mean, too. just just reading it, I'd never. I, I can't say never because I've seen thousands of hockey games in my life, but right. I'm not sure I've ever seen a finish quite like what what you saw I mean in my mind I'm, I'm picturing Reggie Miller against the Knicks yeah. where he scores 11 points in four seconds or whatever it was to to give them the win but for you the last minute of that hockey game was or the regulation I should say that was insane it was I think there was like a minute 10 left and kind of my as a coach I always look at about a minute 30 and then whenever the time is right to pull the goalie when you know when you're down by two or even one or whatever but and uh, we finally got it in their end, or just, you know, crossing their blue line, and there was, I think, a minute 10 left. And so I pulled a goalie, and, you know, as soon as she sat down on, on her bench, they, you know, made a nice play and got it out, and they chipped it in. And so I think I think they kind of, I mean, I think everyone did, you know, um, thought the game was over. And, uh, you know, we lined up, and, and uh, it was just right away. It was boom, 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 and... Kaylee Martinson went down the right side and, you know, just all of a sudden the puck's in front of the net and you're like, oh, what's going on? And all of a sudden the stick's raising the air and you're like, all right. Uh, so we pulled the goalie and I put an out extra skater. I told our center to just go forward as hard as you can. And, you know, it's like we had a sprinter on the other side and um, got it in their zone and got the puck to the net. And it was just again the puck was in front of the net and then all of a sudden you saw the sticks go in the air and you're like I can't believe it well I mean I I'm not the hockey buff that you two are obviously but just from my standpoint and I haven't watched as much hockey as the two of you have either obviously but I have never seen a game or read a box score where a team gave up an empty net goal and then came back and tied the game usually when you give up an empty net goal that's the momentum killer and the other team hangs their heads, and it's over now. Yep. Right. You know, usually you put your goalie back in. We well, play especially it out. to put you down two. Yeah, exactly. Right. You, you know, know usually it's okay. This one's you're over. Down two now. We'll so. put the goalie back in, and we're going to play this out, and we'll get ready for the next one. But in this case, I mean, just the wild range of emotions must have been just crazy. I mean, I can't imagine as a coach what that must have felt like on the bench to have all that happen. You know, and it, for me, and I'm being honest with you, it wasn't so much like we tied, and I was happy for that, but. It, it hit me right away. It's like, this is what you know. This is what we can do, and I don't want to, you know, make a habit out of coming back from too old, you know. But, but I, I we we have that potential. I told Garves, I told you before our Eau Claire game that we played. You know, I told him when we got that when Hamlin scored that empty net goal. You know, I right away I thought, you know what, we we deserve a better scoreboard than this, and. Sure enough, I mean, we like I said, we didn't get the win, but I think just whenever you work that hard for three periods, you know, um, it was it was a just went our way, and for once, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, you know, so I th- I think that just goes over to show the team 
you know, what they can do. And, you know, they can skate with the best. It's just you, you have to work hard every period. And, and that's our job as coaches to do that. And so, you know, that's what we're practicing for every day. It was funny because I got a chance to catch up with both uh, Kayla Chilstrom, your assistant coach, and also uh, Kaylee Martinson to get their, you know, reaction to what had happened. And they both said the same thing. They just were in shock. I mean, Kaylee even said after I scored the goal and we, we tied it up, she's like, I was in shock. And I was involved in both plays, and I still couldn't believe what happened. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Chili said the same thing. Yeah. It was just kind of – she said everyone lost their minds on the bench, and me and Daniel kind of looked at each other like we were stunned. <laughs> and that's, that's what oh. – <laughs> I, I told him right before overtime and go, if you blow it in overtime. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the story goes nowhere if you blow it in overtime. So, uh, no, we, I, we actually had a power play, I believe, in overtime and actually had – some very, very, very nice chances to, to win that game. And it just, you know, it didn't fall our way. But, again, they played hard in overtime. We outshot them in overtime. I think it was only 3-1 to one or something. But um, it was it was a good ending for their efforts. Well, and she said uh, the other thing that she noticed was she was looking over at Nally Darwitz to see what oh. her response was. And she said the look on her face was somewhat priceless as well. So Yeah, I mean, and I give, you know, Hamlin, they're a really good team. Um, I just think, you know, you get the empty netter, with a minute under a minute left it's it's in the bag you know that's yeah 99 of teams are thinking that so right. i think we caught them down a little bit but never give up yep so roll into saturday then another ranked team as you mentioned this time they come into your building and i i mentioned this on the air i mentioned it in the the previous segment with matt you guys came out really strong yep. and then that penalty in the you know a 70 seconds into the game really derailed things right not just for a couple minutes for two periods yeah uh, it really gave them all the momentum. And we, you know, we, we've been stressed in our penalties. And sometimes I think if you talk about it too much, you, you, you'd get more penalties. So right. um, Eau Claire has a great special team game. You know, they're, they're, I think their power play was above 20%, and their penalty kill is like 95%. Well, going into the game, they were over 31% on the power right. play. Right, so we knew that, all right, this is not – the type of game we want to get into and and sure enough that first period you know I think we had four they had four power plays so I mean that um it just it and Garves you know with with the game it, it takes away the uh you know the flow of your lines and it just you know your killers are out there and now you're some of your better players are getting triple time and you know instead of getting the rest they need so it, it just takes that flow out of the game um and we never really got that back I don't think until the third period, when we kind until of, you scored that goal, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, now we got that feeling again, and, um, and then another one like a minute and a half later. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, and you got the two goals, and then you own the rest of that third period, right? You know, right. And, and forced them into taking a couple penalties and putting you on the power play, and the, the one that carried into the overtime. I mean, that was it was the power play that had the opposite effect, I guess, because it, yeah, you know, you didn't capitalize on that, and then. 10 seconds later they score the winner and and that's kind of you know the penalties are a big factor of, of what's going on with us and you know you, you can uh you can get away with it for a couple games of being in the box a lot but sooner or later it will catch up to you and uh I haven't really stressed it a lot yet you know I'll say we got to stay out of the box but um I think they know now like they really know that I mean number one we're leading the nation now in penalties <laughs> So, uh, congratulations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, I mean, that's, that's pretty easy to see on the paper. Um, and our power play is the last in the nation. So, 
Special teams, special teams, special teams. Yes. So stay out of the box and, you know, score one a game or a power play goal a game and, you know, our chances increase highly. Even with our penalties and our power play being uh, in last, we're we're still in every, you know, it's only been four games, but we're in every contest. Yeah. So how do you... How do you kickstart this power play, Dano? I mean, you were 0 for 15 going into the game on Saturday, and now I think it's 0 for 18 or 0 for 19. How do you, how, how do you get them? How do you get that going? Because it's getting to the point now through four games, and it hasn't happened. They're, you know, there's sawdust coming out of those gloves now. They are really gripping those sticks tight. Yeah, I think it's just, and you've heard it, you know, maybe with some NHL teams where they're struggling with it. But you just you got to get pucks on net, and that's what we're. I think we're trying to do too much, and then it starts getting a little individual out there on the power play. And so, you know, we've we've not really changed our look on it, but changed a little bit. You know, even yesterday, first week of, or first day of practice for for this coming weekend, um, where we can just get more shots on net and get second, third, fourth chances. You know, just we need a dirty. If it bounces off two helmets and you know off a skate and goes in, we'll take it. And I think once you start getting that one, it'll, they'll start going. We've had good looks on it. It's just, it's not going in. Yeah. And, we, and we, to be honest, we've we faced some pretty good goaltending. Even Concordia's goalie uh, had a really good weekend against us. Um, Hamlin's goalie is especially you know, on Saturday. That goaltender played very well on yeah. Saturday. So I mean, we've we've had some good uh, some good, you know, goalies uh, against. So it's you know, we just got to get pucks on net and go yeah. to the net and just keep working you know and in, in the defense of the power play I mean the last two teams you've played Eau Claire and Hamlin we already mentioned very good on the penalty kill right very and, good and so you know I mean they're they're both well coached teams we're going to see it again this weekend um you know so even uh we just you just got to put it in the back of the net got to find a way to get yeah that. and yeah and there's no really secret you can change every power play and you know but you just gotta you gotta get the puck on net, and that's that's the number one yeah, thing. Try to create, like you said, a greasy goal. Yep. Uh, we actually had this talk with Coach Mooney about just putting the ball or the puck in places where it can go in to the back of the net, not just even, you know, maybe it's not something that you're looking to score on. Right. But say you get a bounce and it goes in. You know, that's because you put the pressure on to do it, and you force them to make a play. Yeah, you force them to make a play, and sometimes they won't make it. And if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. But you, yeah, it's just finding a way to get it in the back of the net. Yeah, and I, I think that you know. They were gripping the sticks a little bit, um, and once you do that, you're trying to maybe do too much, you know. Instead of just you know, go back to fundamentals, just get it on net, go to the net, start whacking at it, and sooner or later it's going to go in. Yeah, sign it toward the net, get some traffic in front, and go from there. It's caveman yeah. power play. That's what I always called it. <laughs> <laughs> Real Seriously, uh, puck up top, yeah. get it on yeah. net, everybody crash. Yeah, yeah. and eventually yeah. something good is going to happen out of it. And usually yeah. those are the best power plays. No. So let's talk a little bit about some of the players who are getting the job done. We've we've made reference to Kaylee Martinson a little bit now. She's a senior for you. Yep. Um, she's gotten it done for four years, yep. and she's got a goal so far in each game. And she's kind of the, the the straw that stirs the drink for you, isn't she? Yeah, I mean, uh, Kaylee stayed up here for the summer, and we talked about it all summer, even last year, not the end of the season. You know, I, I don't want to jinx it or anything, but I said you have to be, you know, that player. You know, you if a team's only as good as their best player that night, and and I go, we need you every night. And being a senior leader, a captain, um, you got to bring it. Even you know, 
sometimes when you don't feel your best or whatever, but you still got to bring it. And she has, and she's, she's been, you know, ill a couple times here. Um, but she just, it's that perseverance. Even Saturday night, I don't think she had like the best, you know, first or half of the game and a lot of penalty killing going on with her. So, but once she gets in that five on five game and, uh, you know, gets those feet moving, and she's got the offense to put that thing in the back of the net. She'll make something happen. Well, so. she she had two breakaways in the second period. She did, and that then she hit the crossbar on the power play. Yeah. So I mean, it's, um, you know, she's our go-to player, and uh, I'm not saying she's the only one, but you know, she's our she's our superstar, and uh, I think she can. I think she's one of the best in the nation, to be honest with you. And it's it's, you know, it's nice having that, but. You got to use it every, every opportunity you can get, and she knows that, and uh, and she she wants this team back to where it should be too. So, also seems like the uh, goalkeeping position's in good hands with Katherine Johnson too. She's off to a good start for the year. Yep, that's it's good to see. I mean, whenever whenever goaltenders, you know, it's like pitching. You get a couple good wins under you right away. You know, it. it I was talking with Garv again before the Eau Claire game. It takes that little bit of the pressure off you to get that first win, or you know. Um, so, and I, I think as a as a group, as a team, we're playing better in front of her this year. Better defense, um, you know, and scoring some goals, you know, that you know, or keeping it within reach and, instead of her having to make that you know, couple three big saves in the third period, you know. So, um, whenever you can just take a little pressure off the goaltender, it's it's a good thing, and and she's deserving to have a, a good start as well. I gotta ask because on Saturday night, this is the first time I've ever seen any goaltender do this. But I'm I'm walking up to the press box to set up gear and everything, and she's sitting in the stands, and she's got an eye chart, and then she put on a goofy looking pair of glasses or something. What 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 is what is her pregame routine? What is that? I think it's uh, it it has to do with your eyes uh, maintaining puck focus, so. It's I have never put the glasses on myself. I've asked her, and I just go, "All right, whatever works." And <laughs> well, exactly. Um, but it's, I guess it's a proven thing, you know. So, um, but I think I think the biggest thing it kind of just gets her mentally prepared, mentally focused on what she want, wants to do out there, and um, so it's kind of like the field goal kicker. You just kind of leave them alone, and and you'll let them have their time. But she does. She, she has a good routine and a uh, pregame routine. She sticks with it. It's the same thing every every uh, you know weekend. And um, that's one thing about Catherine, like, you know, she'll be focused and ready to go because she just she has that routine. It's funny to, uh, you know, you kind of make the analogy you talked about it as, a, as a pitching staff, like being a pitcher kind of thing, because, I mean, there, there's those funny pictures that you see from old school baseball games where a guy's pitching a no hitter or something like that. And you, in between innings, you see them in the dugout, and everybody's piled to one side, and on the other side is the is the pitcher who is working on the no no or or the perfect game by himself, sitting over there, and maybe the only person that can talk to him is his catcher that day. Right. But nobody right. else is allowed to talk to him. Right. And it's that's the kind of feeling I get, you know, with with goalies as well in hockey. I don't know if that's how you kind of see it, but it's one of the reasons I I don't interview goalies for pregames. Yeah. I don't do it. I there's some over the years that were like, yeah, I'll talk to you, no problem. But for the most part, stay out of the way. Yeah, don't bother them. Yeah, they're they're kind of in their zone. I mean, there was the old saying about Bob Gibson being just completely insufferable on his day to pitch. Right, and he didn't even want to talk to his catcher. 
Tim McCarver talked about it years later. He said, you know, when Gibby was in one of his modes, I <laughs> I get up from behind the plate and I'd walk out and he'd wave me back like, "Don't come out here right now. I don't want to talk to you. I just catch my pitch." You know, well, and he. <laughs> What was the quote that he got to the mound the one time and Gibson said, the only thing you know about pitching is you can't hit it. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. I love that. I mean, he set a record in the uh, in the World Series for strikeouts in a game. He had 17 against the Tigers right. in the World Series. I forget what year it was. And McCarver tried to get out there after he set the record. And tried to, yeah, I think that was it. And he, he tried to spin him around because they had it up on the Jumbotron. And he said, what are you doing? The game's not over. Go back behind the plate. <laughs> He basically waved him off, and he was trying to. He said, "I'm trying to, you know, give you props for what you've done here." And Gibby wanted no part of it. He just said, "Go back behind the plate. We're not done yet." <laughs> and that's, you know, so that's kind of how I view goalies too. They're kind of in their own little element. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So, there, those are two pretty household names on your team. Who else? You uh, know, is if I if I'm a defending coach and I take Keely Martinson out of the game. Whose shoulders is this falling on? Well, I mean, we and then you kind of get in. You know, we have Molly Shelton; she's a senior, uh, you know, leader for us as well. Um, kind of more of that, you know, d- defensive center we like to kind of you know play, but but has an offensive punch too. So um, I think she's been in a lot of Kaylee's goals this year. Um, you know, and then you start getting to our younger class, our our freshmen and sophomores, um, who it's kind of just a mix, and that that's that's fun to see when you see you know more than three or even four people in those classes have points that are pretty much equal it's kind of by committee when you go to that sophomore and freshman class and um you know like jenna curtis they just it's a hard-working group um and and they got the offense cc hayes is she is i think one of the most underrated players that we have she can she can play and um and i don't you know in hamlin she had some very very nice opportunities and she can go she she wasn't feeling that great against eau claire but she's one you know that can be a game changer she had a great weekend against concordia yeah i mean she can she can play and uh and i for a lot of our sophomore or junior even sophomore in our freshman class we have some nice players that can you know if someone goes down you know you might not have that finesse out there but but they're going to get the job done in their own way. And some of the younger players, too. I right. mean, I know that the local media has done a couple of, um, you know, pieces on uh, Cassie McClure, who I know, you know, just came in the program, scored her first career goal against Concordia, I think, didn't she? Is that yes, what it was? Yes, yeah. in the Saturday game. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a, a, a two-group effort when you go beyond, you know, Kaylee Martinson as far as getting the goals in. And that's it, it can be comforting, and, and it's got to be nice to know that anybody can come through at a, at a given time for you. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, those – um, Cass McClure and Ashley Shens, two freshmen that have really, you know, they came in and they earned it. I mean, they earned that spot, and they both work extremely hard, and, and they're kind of getting used to this level, um, but they're getting better every week. And that's, that, you know, that's as a coach, it's just awesome to see. They're not staying the same. They're not going, you know, their confidence is getting better and better. And I think that goes to show, too, with the leadership, you know, around them as well. So it's a good group. It's a really good group. I kind of haven't felt this with the group for a while, and it's and it's fun to be around, and it's you know they're they're just a really good gritty group. Let me ask you about Ashley because she's very open about being deaf, right? And do you realize it during a game? Is it is it an obstacle for her? Is it an obstacle for her team? Is it an obstacle for you? Because I, I remember on the men's side a number of years ago when Mark Fortin was here, it was a huge obstacle. 
until because he didn't tell anybody. Right. And you know, coach is trying to talk to him in practice, and he's just skating away, and you're going, "This kid has an attitude. Are you kidding mm-hmm. me?" And there was the game in Stevens Point where he he had like 28 nine minutes in penalties or something. I think it was 21 actually. I take that back. And two of them were for hitting after the whistle, and that's when somebody said, "Well, coach, he can't hear the whistle. He's deaf." And then it changed how everybody approached him and helped him approach the game. Is it similar with her, or has she just been dealing with it for so long that it's not? I think she's she's learned to to grow with it in the game, and uh, we talked about it, you know, because I, you know, and she goes, "No, I'll tell you and everything." So, I mean, she was she's very open about it, and she's just learned to see body language on the ice, even the officials and and stuff like that. So it's I think once you have that, you know, that awareness that you know you don't have, you get awareness of other things. So. She's really good with it. I kind of joked with her the other day. She's kind of her shifts are getting a little too long, and and uh, she goes, "Well, I didn't hear you, y'all." You know, <laughs> so, so she's she's really good about it. She's she's such a hard worker. She's such a great person, and um, you know that doesn't affect her one bit. Well, it's interesting too because I would think that with that kind of you know we 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 consider it a disability, you know, culturally, right? If you if you can't see or you can't hear, but it forces people like her and players like her to be able to like see what else is going on on the ice all the time and so in a way it probably improves her ability to see what's going on on the ice more than having to rely on you know you saying shift over or whistling her off you know mm-hmm. on on you know on a, on a change of shift you know she can see what's happening because she has to be able to scan the ice otherwise she can't play effectively so right. that's yeah. got to be a little bit better her ice vision's got to be pretty good i would think yeah i think just that extra awareness you know just you know when you lose a sense i don't think she's completely but when you lose that sense of you know hearing and so you just now your extra or your other senses kind of take over yep, yeah yep so yeah it's good it's good she's good so you got two conference games coming up now this week and we spoke about it a little bit earlier here but you got Northland coming in on Friday, and that's kind of a weird thing to say because they're in the conference now and uh, giving you five members in the WIAC on the women's side. So what what does that what does that mean for the conference, and how do you feel about adding an, an extra member? And it kind of creates a little bit of a goofy scheduling scenario for you as well. It is, you know, and it's kind of been, you know, having four has always been kind of weird too. So I mean it. it but I mean, it was, it's great having Northland come in. I love it. You know, now we're just down to three games instead of playing four again. And um, but it, it's you know, it gets us closer to the end product where we you know we want the, the seven teams to get that bid. But um, you know, having Northland be so close too, it's nice. They, they, I think they belong with us. You know, and it'd be it'd be nice to get Scholastic into. I know for other reasons, but um, but it is nice to have you know kind of that close opponent nearby. So. They're a good team. They're, she's doing a great job there. You know, she's she's built something. She's gotten better every year. And so, you know, you don't take that team lightly at all, at all. So we're, uh, you know, we're gearing up for Friday night, and, and that's what we'll be. And you say getting better every year, and, I mean, fourth year for the program only? Third uh, or fourth? Yeah, I'm going to say So they're, they're a real new program, and, you know, yeah, they definitely have made some strides. There's no doubt about that. So you got them on, on Friday here at home, and then Saturday Stevens Point comes in, and there's that goofiness, I guess, because typically it would have been Stevens Point for two. Right. And so now with having to figure out a way to have five teams playing in your schedule, it leads to seeing a different team each night. Right. And, 
you know, I don't, I don't mind that so much because you kind of you get a fresh start no matter what. Um, you kind of get out of some habits or whatever, you know, as a, if it's a Friday night and Saturday night. I always like playing the same team when I played. But as a coach, I, I kind of like having separate teams just because it feels like a new, just a fresh start. If you, you know, if you had a loss or even if you had a win, you know, you can, you can use it as a teaching uh, tool. So um, either way, you know, we're ready. We're ready to go. We're going to prepare. And uh, very big points on the line this week. I was going to ask about that too because I you don't want to say you know these are must win, but points are so you know, like the little Marv Levy quote when somebody asked him is this game a must win and he said must win World War Two was a must win. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Marv Levy, the genius uh, coach of the Buffalo Bills back in the nineties, but you don't want to use the phrase must win. But these are really important because there's only so many points on the board in conference play. Right, and uh, we talked about it, uh, you know, with Eau Claire, and you know, we, with the new rule, we did get a, a point um, on Saturday with a tie in regulation. So. You know that that one point can make a difference, sure. um, but just even winning a game is—it's just—it's—it's it's not easy these days. The parity is so good, and you better be ready to play. And again, in, in conference with only three games, you know you only get three games against each team, so um, it is a huge, huge weekend for us. Got some time for some rapid fire before we let you go? Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> Typical. Yeah. <laughs> these, these, the first, this is the fun part of the interview. The first right? one okay. is always the same, and I, I have to look it up on my phone because I forgot my notebook. Uh-oh. So uh, if you are not a coach, what are you? Um, I'm in the woods hunting a lot and fishing on the lakes. Professional outdoorsman is what you're saying. Professional yeah. outdoorsman. You'd be the uh, Grizzly Adams guy that's just kind of hanging out in the woods. And yes, I'd love that. Okay. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I can see that. I, I don't can have really to ever that. recruit again or anything. I can just <laughs> think about what I have to I've been mean, knowing you for as many years as I've known you, Dano. I can totally picture that okay. happening. Yes. Good. Thank I you. agree with you, though. I'd, I could, like my wife had said to me one time, well, you need internet and all that stuff. No, I don't. No. I no. could very easily be dropped in the woods somewhere with a cabin and... You know, they could just say, you have to hunt and fish for all your food. Okay. Yep. McKenna said he wanted to move to Fiji and live on the beach. So <laughs> and that, surf. Yeah, and surf. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's kind of, you know, that's kind of a northern, an- that's the, which is the answer is the tropics yeah. answer to what you just said. Yours is the northern answer. That's the New York versus the Minnesota. You got yeah. it. <laughs> so we, we you mentioned earlier, then talking about the finish, the Hamlin game, that was an experience you haven't quite been through. What is the best hockey experience you've been through, either as a player or a coach? Uh... As a coach, was definitely when we beat River Falls here to to win the first uh, O'Brien Cup. Um, so kind of tied with that as a coach is going down and beating Gus Davis to go to the Final Four because that was we were very very much the underdog in that team or in that game. So that was a good good uh, ten days right there. Um, as a player, by far is is getting to the first Final Four with the Yellow Jacket men's team. Um, it was, I don't even remember how we got there, to be honest with you. Like, back then you don't think about automatic qualifiers. You just, you know, you let's win and keep winning and keep winning. So I don't know how we got there, but. Um, Beat Bancato. Yeah, I mean, it was it was fun. And it was a group, great, great group of guys. Um, you know, and then getting Nelly there for the first time, too, was, was good to see him get there. So that was it. Okay. What's another sport you'd want to master? Uh, I well, I'd, I'd love to master golf. 
You know, we all would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's an but ongoing thing. I think. I, I, I've kind of we could all do without the frustration. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I think baseball was really the sport I was. I had the most talent in um, growing up. So, I just I moved to Minnesota when I was five. So all my friends played hockey, and so that you know became my passion. But baseball was always the sport. I always wondered if I would have just stuck with it, continued. I loved I loved baseball. I I just loved it. So. Maybe baseball player. That's fair. Who plays you in a movie? Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Got a big smile on his face uh, on that one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So that, it's a that, comedy. I don't it's know. not a drama. It's oh, a comedy. No. It's, it's definitely a comedy. Okay. Yeah. Then what is the name of that movie? Um... Back in the Woods. Back in the Woods. Back in the Woods. That's, Bill a, good one. That's a good one. So it'd be sort of like uh, you're, you're dropping, you're replacing yeah. John Candy with Bill Murray yeah. in the great outdoors. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The next hockey coach goes in the woods. and There you go. And we never see him again. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sounds like a Bill Murray movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Kind of sounds like Groundhog Day to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just want to, I, I, before we get done with this one, Dan, I just, because I've been telling this story for a long time. And... I don't know if you remember it or not, but this was when you and I were working on game management stuff. Do you, Uh-oh. Do you remember the, the stout game when we were over at the old soccer fields where the tent blew onto the field? I do. <laughs> I, I, now that, that you said when the tent blew on the field, I did. Yeah. I remember, you see, I, I just wanted to get your thought, because I've never have actually, because I've told everybody what my reaction was, and I've, the, the look on your face was priceless, but I remember you and I sitting in your truck, and it was an absolutely miserable day. I can't remember... Like every soccer game was. <laughs> I mean, the weather. Yeah, the, not, yeah, not the, the weather soccer. was, I mean, because uh, for people who don't know, before the construction of the NBC Spartan Sports Complex, the Yellow Jacket women used to play their home games over on a field that is across the street from Superior High School. Not the one next to Westman, but across 28th Street, which right. is now, I think, a, what is it, a cow pasture, I think. Well, there's practice yeah. fields out there. Is there still practice yeah. fields out there? Okay, but. But it's built in a swamp. Yeah. yeah. And this was in, what, 12, 13, maybe, Dano? Something yeah. like that. And uh, Dano and I were working on game management. I was the PA guy, and Dano was in charge of game management, which means he's supposed to be on site making sure everything is going well. And you had a volleyball match that day, and you kept texting us. I was inside. <laughs> about how warm and comfortable The weather we was perfect Did you remember, Dan, how cold it was that day? Oh, it, yeah. It, it was well, we, uh, probably, what, mid-30s? Yeah, no, every soccer game was <laughs> raining sideways and mid-30s and no sun and overtime. Yeah, exactly. And, what, <laughs> <laughs> and we have, what happened in this case was we used to have a huge – what would be a carnival tent, I guess you would say. What is it, like a huge... Uh, yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's a, not a carnival yeah, tent, but it's, it's just yeah. a, it's, a... Just it's a, a huge tent. Yeah, it's a yeah. big tent. I mean, it, like that you get from any like like you see event planner or anything. Yeah. yeah. And Dano and I were sitting in his truck next to the field, and that, it was, it, and that thing was staked in the ground, so it was not moving, usually. But this gust of wind came and blew that whole thing, this huge tent, onto the field. And the two of us sat in his truck for like a half second, and it was like that moment in the movie. Where we sat there, and we couldn't believe what we had seen, and we both turned and looked at each other. And he, I remember what you said: "We got to call this off. <laughs> Somebody's going to be killed out here." <laughs> you said something like that. I was. Uh, you got to. It was a big tent. Yeah, and, it was a big tent. And there's like three or two to three foot metal stakes, stakes. holding yeah, them in, got... flying through the air. Yeah. You know, projectile. The whole towards... thing. Remember, the whole thing was on the field, and we had to uh, go out there in that weather. You and me, and drag that thing off the field. It was. Yeah. 
I, I still, I, 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 because I talked to uh, Kayla Chilstrom about this, and she said, well, I can't imagine the look on his face. And I said, look on my face, too, because we were just sitting there, you know. <laughs> we, happened, we were the only two there. So we're only two that that witness this. <laughs> I don't think we called it off though. I think it was no, we only played the, the game. The match was played because yeah. I, I remember hearing after the officials saying, "There's no lineups, there's no anthem, there's no halftime. We're getting this they shor- done." They actually shortened the game time from 45 minutes to 40 minutes. Yeah, did away with halftime altogether. And yep. then Stout, whenever they whenever there was a goal scored, nobody celebrated it. They just scored and ran back to the center line. It was absolutely atrocious. I I, I still have never been at a soccer game that was quite that extreme. I mean, between the wind and everything else, but that was how Dano and I's day started that day. Was dragging that now warped. <laughs> I mean, the stakes were bent, and it it was just like. Yeah, it was crazy. The weather was perfect at volleyball, guys. Oh, I know. And you kept texting <laughs> us, which made it worse. I kept getting, and I kept telling Dano, he's texting me again. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to see, remember, wanted to see if you remembered that incident because that was I do. I, I that was one I I'll never forget it. It was just I I still have nuts, and that was in twelve or thirteen, long time ago. But wow, it seems like yesterday. <laughs> see, that's all for it. See, when you have those things happen, they just kind of stick with you. They do. It's just, that's just the way it goes. They do. He's the head coach of the Yellow Jacket women's hockey team, Dan Laughlin. Dan, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. We'll take a break, and we will come back with more of this week's Eye of the Swarm right after this. Sports broadcasts on 91.3 FM are made possible in part by Catholic Charities Bureau, the Social Ministry of the Diocese of Superior, and their affiliate program, the Challenge Center. The Challenge Center serves individuals with disabilities throughout Douglas County and beyond, including operating Bay Produce in Superior. Info about the Challenge Center programs and Bay Produce is at challenge-center.org. Catholic Charities Bureau, 100 years of serving people in need. We're back for the final segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm and uh, another fairly busy week coming our way. A busy week for us on KUWS as we'll have what, five five games being broadcast this week. So yeah. it's, a, it's a busy one all the way around. It is. It is very busy. We'll start with men's basketball. They're the lone team this week. It feels like that's not. Actually, they are the lone team. Yeah, they won't be on the air. Yeah. Uh, this week, they've only got one game on the docket. It's coming up this Thursday, November 21st. They'll be heading down to Dom Page Arena to take on UW-River Falls, 7 p.m. I've yet to see Dom Page Arena. I'd like to see it. Um, Jeff Papas, who is a colleague of ours and a friend of both of ours, uh, he if you people are, uh, are living in the Twin Ports, you know him as the voice of uh, Bulldog football on the radio in KDAL. Uh, he was working at uh, UW-River Falls at the time that that place was constructed, and he specifically issued an invite to me to come down and see it, and I never got a chance to. And now it's, he's moved on to a job in Hamlin. Right. Which, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. They, okay, they well, did you've a, seen it. So, yeah, yeah. They, they did a really good job. You know, you can get a lot of stuff for $81 million, which is what that project cost the state and the University of Wisconsin River Falls. So, yeah, it's it's a spectacular facility. It really is. The gym is beautiful. Okay. They, they completely redid the... The Hockey arena, too, yeah. You know, they uh, unfortunately have those stupid arches that they have in there, but that's for a whole <laughs> different conversation. Um, Editorial comment on there, yeah. <laughs> and the uh, and the press box there is still way too low, but that's okay. And then, uh, but the fitness facility and everything else that's in there is really fantastic. They did a nice job on first that rate, place. first rate job. Yeah, yeah. I, I I have yet to see it. I'd like to get down there. I'm still trying to uh, kind of erase the memories of the Cargus Center, which was essentially Whew. a high school level gym, right? Um, 
lot of interesting stories I could tell you about my broadcasting experiences in that particular arena. But I bet. Yeah. It's, I bet. <laughs> anyway, that's where the Yellow Jackets will be on Thursday, 7 p.m. Again, the opening tip there between the Yellow Jackets and the Falcons. Women's basketball with yours truly. Uh, busy week. Tough week. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They've got some difficult games coming ahead of them. Yeah, and back-to-back days. Yeah. So it's going to be a rough one. Uh, but it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I always like uh, making these kind of trips because sure. you get a chance to see what else is out there. Yep. Uh, but they start out with the reigning national runner-up from last year, St. Thomas, also defending Mayak champions in the preseason pick, of course, to win the conference again over in Minnesota. I think they're ranked number nine in the D3 hoops. Yeah, they're still in the top ten. Yeah, they're in the top ten. They are 2-0 and on the season. I checked them out a little bit. Uh, first game on Wednesday the 20th this week, taking on St. Thomas, 7 p.m., I'll be on with the pregame at 6.45. and then That doesn't matter because when this nope. airs, that game will already right. be done. But the next game you might be able to catch <laughs> up with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> game number two is the next day, Thursday, November 21st, at St. Benedict, taking on the Blazers, 7 p.m., 6.45, the pregame, yours truly. And we'll make a two. It's a quick one. I mean, it's a quick swing. It's just a one night. Right. You know, but it's a quick one and a two tough games for the Yellow Jackets. Uh, that game against St. Thomas. It'll be the first time those two teams have played since the NCAA tournament of, what, two years ago? Three, three, three years, years ago. ago. Okay, yeah. And then the St. Ben's, of course, we play them every year. Yep. But uh, last year I was the biggest margin of victory that either team has had in it. The Yellow Jackets ended up beating the Blazers by 25, and I don't think that there's been a game that has been that lopsided in the series. Usually the games are really tight between yeah. us and them, regardless of where the game's played. So. We'll see if, if uh, the uh, the trend holds true on Thursday, but that's what's coming up for them. Women's hockey this week, they have a pair of games. I'm taking on Northland College on Friday, 4 p.m. That's the end of the men's game later. We'll talk about that in a second. 4 p.m., the opening faceoff against Lumberjills, who are suddenly now members of the Wisconsin Intercollegiate Athletic Conference for hockey, which is a weird thing for me to say, but it's true. It is true. Yeah, it it's is their, true. It's their first year as a full-blown member. Yep, full-blown member. That's 4 p.m., and then they will uh, conclude a home-and-home or two home games on the weekend, I should say. Saturday the 23rd, I'll be taking on UW-Stevens Point, 2 p.m. Uh, will be the opening face-off. And my buddy over here, Mr. Garber, bringing you the uh, radio broadcast of that game with the pregame starting at 145. Correct. So we'll see how that one goes. And then men's hockey with their weird schedule. Uh, they're back at it this weekend, but it's a big weekend for them. You know, they, they uh, we're going to learn a lot. Yeah. We're going to learn a lot about this team because it's a little different now with conference play coming this early. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you're playing each team in the conference three times, the schedule gets reshaped a little bit. And we used to have two conference games before the semester break. Right. You know, basically before the last weekend of January, you'd have two games in conference, and then after that is when everything would happen. And you'd have, I think, three weeks where it was nothing but WIAC play. And now you've got these two very early in the season. And uh, that's what Ag Northland did. Yeah, that's what it did. And, yeah. you know, and that now we're we're going to learn a lot about ourselves because on Friday night we're we've got the number, number five, five team in the yep. country coming in. Then Saturday you've got the defending national champions and number three coming in. So yep. some intense stuff going you know, on. At there really is. They're going to yeah. learn a lot about themselves here in the uh, in the next week. That's for sure. Yeah. The Blue Golds coming into town on Friday. Again, that'll be game two. That'll be the second game of that day. We talked about the first game with the women playing Northland. Yale Jacket men then follow up at 7.30, taking on UW-Eau Claire, the number five ranked team in the country. Blue Golds are always good. Uh, that'll be a 7.30 p.m. opening faceoff. John will be on with pregame at 7.10, I think. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah, 7.10. And then uh, on Saturday, the defending national champs, as you talked about, John, the pointers coming to town, 7 p.m. Opening faceoff there. That'll be a doubleheader day for you. You don't get too many of those, do you? I don't get many, no. no. I, I think I had one last year, and you know, I think this is the only one this year where the, the schedule just happens to work right. Welcome where, to my world. <laughs> where you can where you can knock out two, and that's you know that's cool. I, I 
I don't mind it at all. No. You know, I just I wish I, w- I wish we had more of those on Saturdays. The Friday games are really difficult yeah. because of our staffing and because of just needing a little time to prep for your broadcasts. Right. It's hard when you have a 4 and a 7.30 because your window between those games is really tiny. Yeah. And that's yeah. the reason why we're not doing the, the women's game on Friday. But to get to on Saturday, looking forward to it. That's why, I like for me, when I do my doubleheaders, because I do a ton of them, as you know. Yep. Um, I get all that stuff done beforehand because there's just no time. There's no chance for me to be able to go... But your only duty on that day is calling the game. That's true. You're not having to worry right. about student workers and how come the scoreboard's not working right. Right. And but I understand what you're saying. How come the warm-up music isn't playing? So it's it just logistically though, from a broadcasting yeah. standpoint, it's almost it's hard. impossible. It's tough. Yeah, it's almost impossible. It's tough. So, but I'm looking forward to it. That's yeah, be it should fun. be a fun one. And the national champion, defending national champions, the pointers in town, 7 p.m. the opening face-off, 6:40 the pregame. And uh, I know you do some advanced scouting. Uh, how good are those two teams really going to be? Are they right where they should be in the rankings, you think? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Um, Eau Claire's a good team. Okay. Eau Claire's a good team. Um, they lost a fair amount to graduation. Okay. Um, but they're, they're still really good. I, I still believe the strength of their team is their defense core. Okay. Because um, they've, they've got some horses back there. I mean, they're one of the few, if not the only, Division three team that has an NHL draft pick on their blue line. Oh, wow. So... Yeah, they're that's the strength of their team. That's legit. Yeah, that's yeah. the strength of their team, I think. And Stevens Point, they also lost a fair amount to graduation, but the cupboard isn't bare there either. They were so they, deep they, last year. They can score some goals, but uh, the odd thing is this year they're giving up a few. Oh, so some know, turnover there, huh? Yeah, there is a little bit there, but they're they, they've given up some goals here in the early going. So we'll see what happens. Well, it should be a fun weekend, and we're all looking forward to it it's, for sure. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we're we're excited to bring five games to you on KUWS this week, and. Uh, have plenty to talk about when we reconvene yeah, plenty a week of, from today. Plenty of deep thoughts. We'll be sharing our thoughts about everything that we saw during the week because you and I are going to see a lot here. We're going to see quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> He's our engineer on site, Elliot Swear. He's the big sell, Matt Johnson, for Elliot and Matt. This is John Garver. Thank you very much for listening to this week's Eye of the Swarm podcast brought to you by Barker's Island Inn. <laughs>